there like a wise ass coming out? Oh, good for you! It's funny to me too. Because that guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. What's happening, everybody? This is the Philly Experience Podcast alongside Chris Thacker, Tanner Gilmartin, Tyre Hood. I'm your host, Max Gretzel. It's great to be with everybody we know today. It's hard. President's Day on this Monday afternoon. Coming off a weekend in which we saw one of the best All-Star games in a while. Kawhi Leonard wins the MVP. Woo! First ever Kobe Bryant MVP award. And he gets it. He earns it. Hitting eight three-pointers from downtown. Almost breaking Paul George's All-Star game record. Of nine, but wasn't able to get there. But that fourth quarter, guys, I got to tell you, that was really, really entertaining. That was. And I'm not even going to front. That was a very entertaining um, All-Star weekend, except for one aspect. Uh-oh. Oh, there we go. <laughs> you want to dive into that? You don't want right to dive into it. You don't want right. Because I'm sick and tired of it year in and year out. This guy keeps getting robbed. I am sick and tired of Aaron Gordon getting robbed in this dunk contest. You know what? I want the whole dunk contest judging thing to be changed. All right? You know who I want judging the dunk contest now? I want actual participants who did participate in the dunk contest or, as a matter of fact, won the dunk contest to be a judge. Why do we have the guy from... Why do we have the guy from the Black Panther? Why do we have Candace Parker? Why do we have Dwayne Wade? Why do we have Common? Why do we have judges like that judging a dunk contest? Most of these guys, none of them has participated in any kind of dunk contest whatsoever. Why? T, I I'm definitely sick of I it. understand the frustration. And I kind of felt the same way at first. God, um, what the but then fuck I was that? sitting there and I was like, you know what? It, as a whole, it was still a pretty entertaining dunk contest. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, now, for me, I didn't have a side here. I didn't mind whoever won, you know, depending on, you know, who, 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 who I mean, listen, the way Howard and Pat Connaughton kind of, they obviously got eliminated and then. The the final matchup for me, I didn't really care who won. I just wanted to see entertainment, and I and I think we all got that. I know Derek Jones Jr. His final dunk was that windmill from the from almost the free throw line. I think his goal was to get from the foul line to the net, but he wasn't able to do it. He stepped in, so he earned. I think it was two nines. I don't. I remember specific judges who awarded him the nines. I don't remember specifically. But and and then Aaron Gordon. I get the whole taco thing. And listen. I, I'm not going to nitpick here because it's like supposed to be fun. It's not like actually like a game or of some sort. But he did. He tried to clear Taco. I don't know if he completely cleared him. Dude, Taco, Taco's seven, hands were kind of in the way. Dude, and, he's seven yeah, five. He, he had I to know. Bend his I neck know. a little bit too. I'm just oh, saying. Oh come on, then dude, seven five. And back to your judge thing. I think uh, all the judges were Chicago natives, so that's that's why they were because uh, D Wade's from Chicago. Commons from Chicago. Mm-hmm. So, D-Wade may be a little heat bias Yeah, that's there what I'm Derek saying. Jones There's Jr., actually two heat players that won. Um, the Who won? The, the, skills, yeah. the skills challenge, yep. too. You know so, what? I think Chris has something to say about this real quick. Go ahead, Chris. Three piece of Swiss cheese. That's what he got to say. Oh, okay. okay. Right. <laughs> I was like, whoa. If I'm being perfectly honest with you to watch. But yeah, the, the All-Star game was very interesting to watch. And I don't know if it was just because I was focusing on these two players, but I did notice more energy out of Ben Simmons. Uh, he was the guy to go to in the beginning of the game. He always yeah, brings was, the energy. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Uh, Whoa. Oh, T, he always brings the energy. Yeah, well, he's, I would say more than Embiid, he does you bring know, the yeah, energy. Okay, I'll and give you that. I did notice Embiid was still a little uh, lackadaisical on the court, maybe, but less. True. Obviously less playing with big stars like him. True, true. I do agree that and, Embiid does need to pick up his energy. 
it, I don't know what it is about it. I I don't know if it's his his fitness. I don't I don't know if it's you know the way he treats his body, the way he you know looks out for his body. I don't I don't know what it is with him B, but he just looks slow. You know he still had twenty two points, ten boards, and an assist, and he's competing against other all stars that are you know some most better than him. That was a decent in the game. One. That was a decent one mil dunk. Yeah, and Simmons had seventeen as well. Now if we can only get him to play yeah. every quarter like the fourth quarter. Agreed. But at least it's a step in the right direction. I do think the way that these guys are considering, you know, how the scoring works and how the format works for the NBA All Star game is definitely heading in the right direction. I agree. Um, but I do think they need to. I mean, they added in the charity aspect of things to, you know, each quarter is a different game, so to speak. So I think they have something going in the right direction from that standpoint. But if I they agree can, with that. they can, uh, you know, eliminate the. The first three, maybe two quarters, because they, I guess they kind of played a little bit in the third. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, that fourth quarter, when you have ten of the best players in the world uh, going mm-hmm. at it, I mean, they were listen. They were at one twenty in the snap of a finger. They were at one forty, yep. and then it took yeah. them how? It took them like forty five minutes to get from one forty to one fifty seven or yeah. whatever it was to, to win the final. The only thing that that I wasn't a huge fan of is just ending on a free throw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that was the only complaint it seemed from the players as well, especially on the losing team. I agree. And Bede had a few complaints. But how about, about that. how about that block Giannis had on LeBron, man? Just mm. the mere millimeters. Yeah. Like he was going pers- all out. Yes. Yeah, That's why really I love impressive. Giannis, man. How about uh, Trey Young proving he can play with the man. big guys? Definitely. That half court shot. Yeah, man. That I wanted to decent. ask. I wanted to ask you guys about it because you know we're all watching the game, and I was sitting there looking in the fourth quarter, especially, and I noticed that Luca's sitting because he. I'm trying to figure out are the star are both sides have do both sides have their five starters on the floor? Mm. And Chris Paul actually was in there for Luca, um, for Team LeBron, and Team Giannis actually had Kyle Lowry in the game over Trey Young. So I don't know why specifically that was. I don't know if it's because you know, like Trey Young and Luca have a a million all-star games ahead of them probably mm. barring injury and you know chris paul and kyle Lowry are kind of older or where was the coaches like actually like okay like picking matchups yeah. which we've never seen before in the in an all-star game but were they thinking hey maybe kyle lowry and um chris paul give us a better opportunity to win and chris car kyle lowry excuse me was like taking charges too so yeah, yeah he was yeah he's playing physical it was actually some defense play you yeah. know usually i'm insulting you know the all-star game usually i'm like you know where's where's the dog on defense where is the love for the defense. Mm-hmm. But there was actually some defense being yeah. played out there. Like I said, the Giannis block, you know, Kyle Lowry taking charges. It was actually a very entertaining game. I will say that. Yeah, more entertaining now the players don't play against the clock, but they're playing to get to a certain total. Yes. I thought it was also cool that, you know, they tied at the end of the third quarter so that that extra 100000 got carried over to the fourth, and then the winner was, had the big prize of like 300000 And like you said, I thought that was so cool that they did that for the aspect of charity, and I thought, man, that was that was a really cool. That That's really a cool good idea, but here's the problem with it. I think if you have, if you want these players to play for real, mm-hmm. and that's the ultimate goal to see, you know, the, the entertainment would be crazy if we could see that fourth quarter throughout the years to come during the games. But here's the problem. If you want them to play all out for four quarters, like, the chair, if say, and this is just a hypothetical situation, mm-hmm. if one team wins all four quarters, mm-hmm. like what happens to the other? Like the one charity, like yeah, they played hard, but you know, it's kind of like a win lose situation. Like okay, they the players play hard and they play well, mm-hmm. but the charities maybe one charity gets shut out of money. I think the rule was that if the one team would have won three games, 
that, you know, the game will automatically be over. But I do think, you know, in situations like that, that they do give money to that charity. It might not be as much as per se the winner. But I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, that those charities do get some sort of contribution as well. Do you guys have any opinions off the top of your heads real quick? Um, of any changes you would make specifically? Yeah, besides changing the fact that we need new uh, judges in the dunk contest. Other than that, no, nah, I'm pretty satisfied. Just winning on the free throws, kind of. Yeah. If we're talking about the game. Yeah, yeah I agree. I think one one shot LeBron took, he stepped right over half court and tried to end it on a three. It was kind of <laughs> ridiculous. But, you know, it's all it's all for the entertainment <laughs> aspect. As, I mean, it's a low life. Three point, three point contest is kind of the same. Um, they, added in, they added in that uh, three with that three point. Uh, three-point shot with a Mountain Dew ball. Yeah. Um, like, if they take a couple steps back. But all in all, I thought, I mean, the three-point contest for me is always kind of entertaining. Mm-hmm. It's just for fun aspect. I don't, like, dive into it too much. I think the more I watch the dunk contest specifically, if they just do, like, not not try to do outside-the-box things like that haven't done, been done before, if they just stick to doing something athletic, like still doing behind the, or, uh, behind the back or between the legs to the best of their ability, I think that's a lot more entertaining than like you know Blake Griffin jumping over a car for example, but but that's the thing though like how how many times do you want to see the same dunk over and over again throughout the years like how okay ever since Michael Jordan did the free throw line dunk how many times have you seen the free throw line dunk I know before? yeah like no, it's I been agree. done before like I understand most of these dunks we've seen before mm-hmm. from different players time and time again so I do appreciate the creativity that these guys come up with like <laughs> the one dunk where the guy taps the ball. On the backboard and still slams it down, mm-hmm. dude. That's crazy. Yeah, that's some crazy athletic ability. One, the uh, Derek Jones Jr. hit had one man throw the ball off the backboard. He caught it, threw it, threw it, put it between his legs, and then dunked it. So, I don't know if we've seen that one before specifically. Maybe mm-hmm. from that angle, we've we've also seen some from the off the side of the backboard, like Markel Fultz did with Aaron Gordon. Mm-hmm. But I do think that if you just take those dunks, not that they're simple dunks. I mean, these guys mm-hmm. have ridiculous athletic ability, but. More simple than having cards in play or things like things like that. If you just stick to, you know, maybe you're doing the same dunk over again. But to, I, listen, for me personally, I would have seen those two guys dunk all night long. Like, yeah, that's how entertaining it was. I, I mean, would have thoroughly been entertained. The only thing, the only problem I have with Derrick Jones Jr. is the fact that he kept doing the same dunk, like the between the legs dunk. Like he kept doing that repeatedly. Yeah, he did. He just did it from different angles. It was like, probably just his thing. You know, he's left handed. He's left hand dominant, so he always goes right to left through his legs and then. You know, uh, is, I thought the one the one year well, I don't think it was over the weekend, but the one year when Aaron Gore went under his legs, yes. under both of them, and uh-huh. that, now was, that was cool. Yeah, that was that pretty was cool. entertaining. Yeah. But yeah, you, you're going to see the same you're going to see the same dunks over and over again if you don't learn to be some sort of create learn to, learn to have some form of creativity. Holy crap, we got Boys, we got a caller. Holy crap! Wait a minute, what's he here for? Yeah, straight up. Thank you for calling the Philly Experience Podcast. State your name. And what you'd like to talk about. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Wrong number? You piece of Swiss cheese. <laughs> I'm giving you one more chance. No? Yeah. Let's All hear right. it. Uh, we should move it on to sports. All right. Sounds like they were trying to talk. All right, you just, have a great day. Man, we got excited there for a second. We did. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully uh, they call back or we get another caller in the future. Who knows? Yeah, I agree. But since we're talking about dunks and someone that wasn't even in the dunk, uh, competition Zion shined in the Rising Star game. He did. Didn't man. have many points, but his play was noticeable. Catching and he miles. dunked so hard he made the rim crooked. Yes. So that was. How do you have that much yeah. power? I can't wait to see him in a dunk contest. Yeah, you know, earlier we were thinking maybe Zion was going to turn out to be a bust, but the way he's been playing ever since he started playing back with the uh, the Pelicans and now in the Rising Star game, 
It's just you like know. I said, growing up, like he was the big name that I just kept hearing through the rankings of AAU ball and things like that. Like I grew up around a lot of ballers, and that's all they would talk about was Zion. And I'm like, ain't no way this kid has that much hype. The only thing the kid can do is dunk. Right. But I've been pleasantly surprised, and I'm glad to say that um, I was wrong. He's going to be fun to watch in the years to come. I agree. Um, even making a quick appearance at the Duke Notre Dame game over the weekend back at his, yes. his uh, the place where he played college ball at. So it was cool to see him there. Mm-hmm. And come back out to support his team. It was cool. I will gladly give myself one of these. I'll take it. You big dummy. Yes. Don't forget about R.J. Barrett either. Yes. R.J. You know, Barrett just, you know. shame he's on the Knicks. but <laughs> Probably one that. of the reasons he doesn't get a lot yeah. of hype or talked about a lot. Yeah. But he'll grow into it. Um, him and Cam Reddish both. Cam Reddish, we yeah. all know he has super, super talent too down there in Atlanta. So mm-hmm. once once the Hawks, and in my opinion, the Hawks could be one of those teams up and coming. Yeah, I agree. Um, depending on how their young core grows as a whole. But you never know. If they get a big man, which they just got Capella, you never know. I say also watch out, watch out for the Grizzlies as well with John Moran. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And especially beneficial for the Hawks because they got a guy like Vince Carter that mm-hmm. can, um, you know, show the youngsters how it's done. I Defin- agree. Definitely, definitely agree. I think a couple teams, you know, that are weaker this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, like the Knicks have been terrible for so many years now. And I'm. You know, you expect them to be good, you know, especially this past offseason. We thought maybe they can land some big-name free agents just because, you know, they're in New York, New York mm-hmm. yeah. in Madison Square Garden. And weren't able to land anybody big. But, again, in the future future years that come, you know, R.J. Barrett's a good starting piece, and they have are going to have some high draft picks as well coming up in the next couple of years. Easily. So we'll see what happens. Um, I want to move on to this, this Houston Astros topic here about, um, you know, the apology and – Everything that Jim Crane, the GM, stated uh, as spring training got underway. I know we talked about this topic when it came out mm-hmm. a, few, a few weeks ago on the show. But just to watch the Astros over the last couple of years, just basically a team with so much talent that we haven't ever, ever really seen before, um, ending with one of the bigger bigger plays of the season, and that was Jose Altuve's walk-off home run uh, off of Chapman last that year. That is blasphemous! But again, uh, Jose Altuve... Before all this stuff came out, you just look at him like underdog type of player, right. short, but again, that was won the MVP. Um, and and now to sit back and look at the, you know the whole cheating scandal, it kind of ruins you know all of our memories and uh, of the Astros over the last two years, and puts an asterisk next to their oh, World yeah. Series title. Now, now to me, he ain't worth. <laughs> like seriously, man. Yeah, I, I want to just this one on a funny note here, real quick. I heard a. An update that the Astros were out practicing today. I don't know if anybody else heard this. Um, at mm-hmm. spring training camp. Mm-hmm. And I guess the spring training facilities are kind of open. You know, they're, they're not practicing in a stadium, you know, surrounded by security gates and all. I'm sure they have security there. But uh, for the most part, it's pretty open. And apparently one guy, one fan, I guess you could call him, jumped the fence and ran onto the field and had a bat in the trash can and started banging it as they were practicing. <laughs> Yeah. And then security. Yeah, we know it's hard. Security started chasing him, and he ran away. Uh, because <laughs> no, that guy doesn't yeah. know what the hell as he's far, doing. As far as the Astros are concerned, I think Cody Bellinger said it best. He thought the apologies were weak, and you know it sucks because yeah, there's a lot of guys on the Astros team that I really like. You know, yeah. Altuve, Correa. Altuve, I mean, the list goes Correa, on. Uh, George Springer. Mm-hmm. Those are all players that I really admired is, yeah. is there really an apology big enough to you no, know it, it, fix no. this mistake there they, isn't they can say sorry all they want well here's, yeah, the, here's the problem the people who've already left the organization like mike fires and dallas keichel have already came out even marvin gonzalez with the twins now they've already came out and said yeah this happened and we apologize for mm-hmm. it but the fact that the, t- the players still on their on the astros won't admit it just makes it 10 times worse 
You know, I mean, either come out and flat out say, listen, like, we did it. We apologize for it. I mean, yeah, it's not going to help your reputation in the future, right. but at least, no. you know, at least you apologize for it like a man instead of keep, you know, brushing everything under the rug. And the fact that the players and didn't get punished at all and they didn't lose a World Series title or rings or anything like that, it, it's just I'm trying to figure out what what's going to happen with them as far as, you know, watching them and, you know, different teams that they play. Or they, are, I agree. I agree, too. Good time for that one. Good time for that drop. But uh, are they going to get hit? You know, like I'm trying yeah. to figure out, you know, I lost all, all respect for them for, for doing this. And I thought, obviously, you can't sit for a year or anything ridiculous they, no. like that. They but, can be banned from the playoffs. Yeah, uh, that, right. there's yeah, an that option. Is, that's true. But just going from and, city to city and watching them play. Like, we've seen this before with Braun or A-Rod with the steroid era, but that's only one player. Like, we're talking about a whole team here. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah that's true. Like, what are you going to throw? Like, every, those, you can't throw at every player, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, as far as stripping their title, it's what do you do? Do you just nullify it? You don't because no one won then, right. and you know, mm-hmm. the Dodgers were robbed, and the Yankees on, were too. the Yankees were robbed. Well, the too. Yankees, yeah. I thought, were robbed yeah. worse. Yeah, and but from now on, because these are guys, especially Altuve, Correa, and Springer, I think those are guys who are going to stick around. Even in baseball, even beyond their playing years, mm-hmm. yeah. From they can't wear that World Series ring ever again right. because. You didn't. You didn't yeah. earn it. It's stupid. I would have to go back and look at the series as far as home and away games the Astros played to see did they just specifically. I know the game seven of the World Series they beat the Dodgers in L A. In L A. But um, for the other series that they played as far as like the ALCS and even last year's ALCS as well did, did they you know have did they win their home games lose on the road because that would make a lot of sense because right. they only had the technology on the home at the home games yeah right. yeah but I would have to dive back and look and then the trash can symbols man like that. <sighs> It's, it's like I said, it's so disappointing because they have so many likable players on that squad. Like I think we can personally connect with all of them. Like personally, my guy was Jose mm-hmm. Altuve. I'm, like like you said, Max, underdog, undersized, yeah, but still plays bigger than his size. Like oh, I yeah. appreciate, especially because like the Astros were terrible for you know our childhood years right. for the most part, right? And so, then just you know now rising to the top yeah. of the league, right? So to see that team come up from the ashes, man, that was that was a cool story. But for them to turn around and do something like yeah. that, I, I can't look at you the same. Now AJ Hinch got fired, correct, or he just suspended with the Astros? Uh, look, um, and also Alex Cora, I know he's he got fired. Yeah, I, I think Hinch got fired. Mm. But at the end of the day, I do think that Alex Cora. I mean, he was like supposedly one of the ringleaders of this whole thing. I mean, how do you let him back in the league? To manage and, they, and Carlos Beltran as well. I mean, he literally stepped down from the Mets job like a month after he accepted it, and he was also one of the main role, main player as far as players go. One of the main guys that was involved too. Hey, Pete Rose is still out of yeah, the Yeah, that's what I was just going to bring so. up. No, Chris, before if you confirm it, I'm pretty sure they were both suspended and then fired the day after. Mm-hmm. But you'll confirm it in a second. Yeah, I, I just I don't. It's an outrage. AJ Hinch apparently, you know. Started breaking cameras and things of that nature, yeah, and apparently, <laughs> yeah, I, that's you know I wasn't there, so I can't you know, state for sure. But yeah, he, he was fired. Yeah. Okay, I like so that word. Fired. I like that word. That was cute. <laughs> yeah. So I just don't, from my standpoint, just you can. I don't know if you can let you know Alex AJ Hinch. I you know I I don't know how you could let him back in the league either. I yeah. mean I get it. He. Go ahead. So, sorry, sorry. No, go ahead, Chris. Uh, it's funny that you say it because I just came across something about uh, CC uh, Sabathia was asked about the situation. He said AJ Hinch should never manage in the MLB ever again. Do you guys agree that Cora and AJ Hinch should never manage again? Yeah, I I agree from the simple fact that for betting purposes, Pete Rose still isn't in the back in the league. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to hold a grudge against a manager for 
um, gambling. These guys cheated. Yeah, you know, it's a, Max knowingly. The manager is the captain of the ship, and yeah. if you can't get your guys to straighten up and not do something pretty much illegal, yeah, it's no. a tough situation. I'm it glad I'm not. Situation. I'm glad I'm not the one making the decision for it. But yeah. I try to put myself in these managers' shoes, especially AJ Hinch. Um, you know, your team's winning a lot of games, right? And you're selling a lot of tickets, selling a lot of merchandise. Um, your, your publicity is good at that at that moment. Yeah. And you find out your team's cheating behind closed doors. Like, man, your hands are really tied because you, the right thing to do is, yeah, come out and say, "Hey, listen, we're cheating." But at the same time, you gotta, you have to have a lot of pride, right. you know, to come out. Yeah. You're gonna be letting your city down. I mean, you're letting your a lot of players. people down. And also for me, I think any player or coach involved during on the team during the scandal, you know, obviously can't be allowed in the. I agree. Baseball hall. And AJ Hinch, no, you know, no. maybe he would say, maybe AJ Hinch would come come out and say, "Hey, listen, we're cheating." And then would that even help him though? Because the people would still be like, "Okay, you guys still cheated." Like AJ Hinch, you lost your job still. Yeah, yeah. We no. all know that you cheated. Yeah, what did he freaking do? Yeah, like yeah. It, it's just not it's just not going to change. change. Now, by the time the end of his career, Jose Altuve still won't be in the Hall of Fame because just, now you, you can't really let him in. Which is a shame because he's on he, sub, yeah. such yeah. a big upstreak at this yeah, but, point, man. But, you know. It's a shame. It would be really tough. And now in the future, I think we're all going to think of Jose Altuve with his home runs coming down third baseline, covering his jersey. That's every time I hear yeah. the name Jose Altuve, I think of him covering that jersey and, like, waving his finger. I, in the moment, before the whole cheating thing came out, I was like, what is he? Like, I thought that looked weird. Yeah. yeah. I thought it looked weird. They like, said that he had a tattoo, right? Or he had an uh, unfinished. Carlos Correa said that his wife doesn't, or Carlos Correa said that Jose Altuve's wife didn't want him to take his shirt off, and also he had an unfinished tattoo. Why is he getting the tattoo? And the, you know. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> That's what for the Correa said. Yeah, but, but I agree with you. Um, stuff like this stamps is stamped onto a player like you mentioned Jeter earlier. Um, mm -hmm. You know, now everyone in Philadelphia was calling him Cheater Jeter, and mm -hmm. it was just chance all over the place mm -hmm. for the whole rest of the time he was playing. Now, A-Rod, this happened to him at kind of the end of his career-ish, right. you know, with the Yankees. Um, Jose Altuve is young still. I mean, he's year, years left to play in this league. And Braun, his whole deal came out, what, 2012, 2013-ish. So he's kind of already played six years-ish with this whole – you know, scandal over his head. And I think at first, you know, the first season he came back, he got booed on the road every stadium that, you know, he went to. But nowadays you hear the name Ryan Braun and you're kind of like, okay, yep. you know, you're not, you're not bashing the guy still for the right. steroids. Still because booze though. Still definitely booze. still booze, but time has passed. So, I mean, listen, maybe seven, eight years from now, could this possibly be the same thing with, um, you know, maybe not the Astros team in general, but the superstars, you, do you give, Altuve and Correa, depending on how they go about their business in the coming years, do you give them? Uh, I don't want to use the word "give them a pass," but do you do, do you kind of back off of them a little bit? Yeah, but fans, um, specifically Philly fans, don't really take lightly to even the smallest thing like not cheating per se. But when Jeter was called cheater, it was he was stepping into pitches and he was getting hit, mm -hmm. um, and <laughs> we didn't even like that. And now, even something farther like. You know, knowing the pitch before it's thrown, right, and stuff like that—that's even worse. Mm. Part, I mean, Chase Utley used. To, I'm not saying he did it all the time, but he used to, you know, not not lean away from pitches. Oh, yeah, we're not going to boo. We're not going to boo yeah. Chase Utley. Though. No, no, exactly. No, no it's exactly. not, not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. I don't care what you. No, no, it's not going to happen. But it, it's so funny that we talk about you know the things that we should you know strip away from the Astros and things like that. But I can remember. And I hate to be bringing up revisionist history, but I can remember when the Patriots got caught cheating. 
got called videotaping. I can remember it vividly. Like, it was all over the news. And I can remember being a kid just being upset and just, I was ready just to, to destroy my room mm-hmm. because here it is. My team was in the Super Bowl. Now, now I come to find out my team just got cheated out of a ring. But here's the thing. Like, it was almost as if the Patriots just was like, oh, okay, yeah, we got cheated. We're sorry. They got slapped with a fine. And yeah, everything was cool. You don't hear about that anymore. You don't, yeah. you don't hardly hear about it anymore. I think because maybe there's so much ring. turnover, maybe they with still the players. Yeah, it, I mean, against <laughs> the Bengals, even. Yeah, you right. know, because the Bengals have so much to. <laughs> what the hell is going on? I, mean, I don't know, Stephen. I just don't. Now, I think I th- yeah, no. maybe because maybe it's different because, yeah, you're filming a different team, but that's not going to directly affect the game, like in game, in progress, I guess you could say. Mm. I mean, yeah, you could. Use that stuff to prepare for the game upcoming, but to physically actually have buzzers and things in game to know what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, like like it's almost like you have to relate it to the NFL. Like you know Brady's going to throw this pass, or yeah. not Brady for example, but you know Brady's throwing to the right on right. the side. You, you still got to put that effort in, and yeah. you got to tackle, and you got to be in the spot where you're supposed right. to be. Yeah. Just like you're, you know, at the plate, you know what pitch he's throwing. You still got to swing and make connect. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Connect with the ball. Yeah. Deflate gate was like a bigger deal than the whole. Yeah, that's filming for, practices. that is funny to me. Yeah, got four games, game just four thing. games for that too. I mean, yeah, four that's games insane. is a lot. Well, was it Brady's deal though? Was that his? Yeah, whole... he, he even ruined his phone, right? Yeah, try to get rid Ruin, of the evidence. Yep, Brady too. destroyed that's even his worse. phone. They even they even went as far as going to court. They now, went to court. how does this that. whole thing work? They they deflated the balls for the, the Colts, the Patriots. No, because I remember no, no, the Patriots for Brady. Yeah. So Brady so, wanted the the, the yes. Okay. The way Brady likes his football is he likes it a little bit softer than softer than what the average quarterback would like. As a matter of fact, he brings teams it, playing with that well, no, they, ball. They, each, they team, the ball. each team brings their own set of footballs. They got the to the stadium. Uh, okay. Is that is that what it is? Yes, each yeah. team brings their own set of footballs. I thought also, the refs just had. Football. It's also easier now for the, the referees do. It's also easier for the wide receiver to you know grab onto the right. Ball. Yeah. Well, less uh, yeah. less oh, yeah. velocity. Right, right. That's how Brady was able to kind of hold on to that football a little bit better. But even still, like so, what happened was I think it was Dequell Jackson that intercepted the ball, and that's how I found out because Dequell Jackson went to an official. He's like, "Yo, some some ain't right with this football. Like y'all need to check this out." And that's when it started blowing up. <laughs> That's when everybody was like, oh, here we go again with the Patriots again. But, you know, going back to what we were saying, like, the Astros are, are really, like, they are getting hammered with insults. Um, people are, like, just destroying this team on uh, social media. And comparing it to the Patriots, the Patriots is like, oh, we just like, oh, well, Patriots is at it again. Dude, imagine how those Astros fans feel. Because, yeah. hey, that that's one of the greatest things that, you know, a fan could ever experience. Mm-hmm. And then you find out years later. I Maybe even speak for us personally, the difference is, you know, we all hate the Patriots back in, you know, when they were playing us in the Super Bowl. And I think the Astros was a, were a team that we all kind of, like, liked. You know, we liked oh, watching yeah. them play and yeah. put up a lot oh, yeah. of runs. It was fun to watch. And, the, you know, find out that it was all kind of fake is just disappointing. And that's probably why there's a lot of, like, uproar about this specific, you know, topic. Mm-hmm. So it's a shame. It really is. I want to touch on some Philly spring training stuff here uh, with the yeah. team finally in Clearwater. Andrew and and McClutch. and Chris, you want you want yeah, an Matt, opening Max, statement look, here? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Last week when we were talking about the the prospects of trading for Chris Bryant, 
Uh, I was very much against it. I'm still very much against it. But I said, it's if crazy I was, how uh, how things changed in this. I'll, I'll, I'll admit it too. One week I come in here and say one thing. You know, I'll have a week to, to sit on it. Uh, you know what? what? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll take some steps back. That's I'll, why I keep telling yeah, you like, to watch your mouth and you know? what you say. Yeah, yeah like, which I don't listen. So whatever. <laughs> you say, how about them cowboys? Anyway, <laughs> no, I, you piece of Swiss cheese. Look, I, there's a couple people I know who take their time to listen to our fine program here, and they're like, Chris, you idiot. Why would you ever trade Reese Hoskins? And like you said, who the hell is going to play first base? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that you can't just stick anyone at first. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying to you? <laughs> and look, Reese Hoskins, in my opinion, is the second biggest bat in this lineup. You know, not necessarily consistent, but he's going to be second in home runs behind Bryce Harper. But probably, yeah. But I would hope so. I still don't want to trade for Chris Bryant because I had other people who were like, Chris, how could you say Chris Bryant is done? Chris Bryant is still a star in this league, and mm-hmm. yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. But like T, T brought up to me, Bryce Harper was taught. Someone talked to Bryce Harper about the the possibility of bringing Chris Bryant over here to Philly, and he, guess what? Even though he's buddies with him, he is not for it. He yep. is not for bringing Chris Bryant to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to mortgage the future. Yeah, this is and what, like you said. You hope Alec Bohm turns into Chris Bryant. Yeah, this is exactly but, what Bryce Harper said. He said, "Please say." I mean. You have to have certain guys on your team that makes less money and also have guys that make more money as well. Chris, of course, you want an all-star caliber player, but we have, boom, we have a big-time third baseman. We were able to get him in the draft. Of course, anytime you're able to add an all-star caliber player, you're going to want to add an all-star player. But you have to be able to know you develop a player in the minor leagues that can also help you at third base, and Bone could be that guy for us. So he's against trading assets away for Chris Bryant. And you know what? We was, Me and Chris was talking about this before the show even started. Oh, yeah. Think about the time when we had it was when we had the four aces. Think back to that time. It was we, a good time. Yeah, it was a good time. It was. But we, yeah, it was a good time that didn't net anything, and we gave up so much of our prospects, of our future prospects. After that era was over, we had nothing. Yeah, the goal is to win a World Series 100%. But at the end of the day, I mean— it was still great. I mean, the stretch of the seasons there that we had with that, those four aces. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it's definitely – I'm not going to say, hey, you know, let's take back those years and maybe one of those prospects turn out to be something, you know. Yeah. you, you, you it's, As a kid, you know, you want to have those fun experiences, 2008, 2009, 2010, et cetera. And, you know, that was a big part of my childhood specifically. And I don't know if I would go back and change history just – to see if a prospect, but I understand your point. I understand we do need our minor league system to improve a lot because yes. right now we have, you know, two names in there, and then Spencer Howard and Alec Bohm. Those yes. are the two yeah. guys. Yeah. Other than that, I don't think I can name a third prospect that's in the minor leagues, but that's worth any worth a, a amount of uh, attention that Bohm or Spencer Howard gets. But I do think that if Spencer Howard and Bohm can come up. I'm more of the on the side where we're not going to win a World Series this year, right? No. The goal at the end of the day so. is no. to win a World Series. And I don't know, even if you bring up Boehm and Spencer Howard this season, depending on how they're performing in the minors, are they really going to – yeah, they'll make a difference. But are they going to – are they going to give us that – you know, are they going to push us over the line? You know, are they going to push us past the finish line to get us to where we want to be? And I'm not 100% sold yet because I haven't even seen – this team play yet together you know oh. what's Segura going to play where's Kingry going to play yeah. are they going to are they going to put Segura at third are they going to keep him at second base there's so much that goes into it still and I for one will say this I think Adam Haley's a Hazley is a really good player but I'm not ready to sit here and you know put him in the eight hole every night and put him in center field every night mm. so 
I guess if if I had to look at this roster and how it's constructed right now, I definitely want to see Scott Kingery play second base. I think Joe Girardi said it himself a few days ago. He wants Kingery to play one position, one position all season long, okay. and I agree with that statement. And you don't want Kingery playing around. You know, Cape Kapler last season had him in center field. The next night he had him at third base. The next night he had him on the bench coming off Kapler's, coming off the bench. Kapler's not a good uh, good measurement. Statement. Well, I mean, let's be honest here. Right, but my point is that you, I want Kingery to play. He's a second baseman. I mean, that's just I what agree. he plays. He's, he could be a great second baseman for us defensively and. Last season, I may, maybe I wouldn't have said this last season, but he really had a great offensive season too. When you look at you know what his expectations were preseason, and then what he or how he performed in the regular season, which was uh, above you know expectations for me specifically. But I think if you keep him at second base and secure at third is a big question mark. I just feel like if you, I've seen Scott Kringer play third base, and it's not the best defensively, hmm. especially. No. So but I think we- if you can. Ahead, Have we seen Segura play third? That's the thing. Like, I've, for me, I've seen King replay, and I, I think Segura could give us a better opportunity. If it doesn't work out, you you know, you just say, okay, hopefully Bone can come up during the season and maybe just plug him in at third. But definitely test some things out in spring training. That's what it's all about. I agree. I has, agree. Has Bone even played AAA ball yet? I don't think so. I don't think mm-hmm. so either. Same thing with Spencer Howard. Yeah. So. They haven't played minor league ball yeah, yet. So in, in AAA, I mean. Yeah, so we're still about a year or two away from even seeing these guys and. You know, maybe maybe we ought to take the patient approach with these guys. Like, you, yeah, I do. I, I do think that might be a good idea. That you, that you and Tanner told me I was an idiot for. <laughs> Listen, I say it like this: the Braves I'll, and Nats are still like ahead of us, probably right. on paper. On yeah, paper. God. Yeah, I hate. Yeah, I, I know. I know. Maybe even the Mets. pisses me off. Maybe the Mets. I don't know if man, I. And, and man, I'm not ready to put as far as the Chris Bryant trade, Alonzo. You look at pitching. Brandon staff. Nimmo. Yeah, yeah. 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 As far as. You know the future here and up this upcoming season. I really do think we have to see this team play. You know, we had a lot of question marks. McCutcheon coming off the ACL is one that sticks out to me because if he can, you know, get back to kind of where Andrew he was last year, McClutchy. we we could totally see a different Phillies team because we were playing really well up until he got hurt in San Diego. Yeah, Gene Segura was up around 300 his batting average, and then he kind of fell off in the second half of the year. But you know, there's so many question marks. And, and as far as the Chris Bryant trade. Um, you know, obviously, we all want Chris Bryant in the Phillies uniform. You know, that would be super exciting. But oh, absolutely. it all depends on the package we have to give up. And I don't know if I want to give up maybe a, one of our top prospects and Scott Kingery, for example. I don't think I, th- I think that might be too much. I'm not willing to, only because of the simple fact that, once again, I'm, I'm not for giving up future prospects for a guy that Chris, as Chris has stated on many of occasions, is aging and is a little bit older. Me personally, I don't like, I don't like trading for pieces that are already established i like developing my own pieces working them in my system getting them to play ball the way i want them to play ball so that when it comes time for them to play ball the right way the way i want them to we're not going to have any issues whereas when you trade for somebody you have to work them into your system right compared to a system in which they already grew up in yeah i think i think it's a good idea and bohm's been you know down the minor leagues a few years now through our own system and hopefully you know he's here in the major leagues before you know a trade could even come up. You know, for mm-hmm. example. So I think the Chris Bryant, yeah, it's me. The, the idea of him being traded, there's been a lot of noise around it. But again, there's so many, it's so many, there's so many things goes goes into it. So many things factors into the decision to trade or to trade for him. And I'm just not going to sit here flat out and say, yeah, let's go get Chris Bryant. You know, hands mm-hmm. down. You know, no matter what it takes. So. um I think it's going to be a fun season to watch. I think there's a lot of things to look at in spring training, especially the rotation. 
is Jake Arrieta healthy? Right. Has Zach Eflin taken any steps forward? Has Pavetta taken any steps forward? Is Velasquez going to be a starter? Is he going to be a reliever? So our bullpen, our bullpen, there's going to be some guys coming back healthy. <laughs> just, so I still have to look at Hector Neris. I hope. I mean, with Girardi down there, at least we have some discipline. You know, we have a disciplinarian down there too to kind of guide us. And I think spring training is going to be fun to watch. It's about damn time. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> I think I think it's going to be. We still got to get JT under contract. Yes, that's yeah. a huge issue. Yeah, we've got to get that. We got to get that problem solved. That because, is that is who, expeditiously. Is Andrew Knapp still on this damn team? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he is. Gosh. Yeah, he is. Oh man! Like, come on! How much? Like, can't the guy in AAA be better? Like, come on! No, uh, I, I'm with you. Um, but again, <laughs> sorry to I your JT to point. Team down to your JT point. Show yeah. uh, we need to get him on, so, under contract. Something yeah, I did. I something I we did know it's hard. Want to bring up with you, Max? Because um, you know we know that pitching is a weak point on this team, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you mentioned last show. Uh, I know you meant it jokingly, but uh, about out slugging our pitching. Mm-hmm. Now I was I remember tried last year. months back when I was doing the whole stats thing with you mm-hmm. with you guys and uh, you know I was looking at some stats and a big thing was uh, Bryce Harper I think it was his on base percentage was like three seventy five mm-hmm. and that was leading the team and even and even three seventy five it's like a guy like Bryce Harper three seventy five right and that's leading the team so you know another big problem with the Phillies last year was they couldn't get runs in. And, yeah, you know, definitely. Yeah, and you know, also Gene Segura like barely got walked all year. I looked at the I team, team walks; they were thirteenth in the league. Still, average. Gotta get those walks up, and definitely need to get those walks yeah. up. And Gene Segura is one of those now, guys that's that's been hurting that. And but because he doesn't walk a lot. You, but you still gotta. <laughs> but yeah, no, like you still gotta get those runs in. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, Andrew McCutcheon coming back, that's going to be huge for this team. Uh, mm-hmm. That To me, that was where we started going downhill, yeah. and we just yeah. kept going, and we kept sliding down I the agree, standings. Yeah. Because for the f- first half of the season, weren't we leading we were up there. the we were. We were National up there. League East? Yeah, we were leading the, whole the National first League half. East. Yeah, we were, we were really and up there in the power rankings. Now, too. as far as Adam Hazley, it's like, what's your, what's your better option? Like, I know, I know there's one. Roman Quinn and... Roman Quinn's a guy I want to believe in. He's a great base runner. I've wanted to believe in him for years now. You know, and he just couldn't stay it. healthy. That's it's an outrage. It. I mean, the guy is the guy is .03 of a batting average away from just being Billy Hamilton. And yeah, no. I, listen, um, I'm trying to. Baseball is one of those things that's just so different. You got to have you got to have a lot a lot of patience. Oh yeah, and. You know, when I'm sitting here talking about the Sixers or the Eagles, I'm, all, I'm aggressive. You know, I want this guy. I want this guy. You know, we need to make this move. The baseball is uh, playing 162 games over the whole season. It's it's, it's a, a lot of patience. It it's really, a you really need to sit back and you can't make any drastic moves. You know, we Eagles games. You know, you got 16 games, right? You know, so you see something bad happen one week. Okay, we only got 15 games left. You got to make an adjustment. If you play a, a three game series, somebody maybe a, a player goes one for 12. You can't just be like, okay, we got to make a difference. He's going to sit on the bench, you know, because it's such a long season. So people go through slumps in baseball all the time. Right. So, go ahead. Bruce still on the team? Jay yes. Yeah. Jay okay. Bruce is still on the team. Yeah, okay. I think so he still has one year that, that, That's probably your fourth outfielder, though. Definitely your fourth outfielder. And depending on how McCutcheon, you know, reacts to his, you know, rehab and coming back healthy, 
You could also platoon them. One's a right-handed batter, one's a left-handed batter. Bruce if, was a monster when he came here. Yeah, he, he was. If Bruce and and you know if McCutcheon needs a, a break here and there, a day off because of he's you know he's getting up there in age a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know you can always plug Bruce in there, and he's been a veteran in each locker room or locker rooms he's been in. You know he's been uh, with four teams now, and that he started out with Cincinnati, went to the Mets and the Indians, and now with us. Um, so. I do, th- or the Mariners as yeah, well. I'm sorry, the but uh, but but him coming in, like you said, Tanner, he he was great for us at the trade deadline last mm-hmm. year, and I think he is going to be our fourth outfielder. And again, it's another great guy to have in the clubhouse. Great, not another leader that you definitely need to big bet. Yeah, yeah, another big bet. Here's another question for you, just because you know I'm trying to piece together this team in my mm-hmm. head. Where do you see Dd in the lineup? Do you see him fifth mm. ahead of Real Muto? Do you put him behind Real Muto? That's a great question. It is. Because um, I, I see McCutcheon leading off, Segura, Harper, Hoskins, mm. but then it's like... I think we could sit here for hours and talk about how we want to all construct this no, lineup. I, I but know. I, um, I think, we gotta show. you know, McCutche- <laughs> McCutcheon, uh, you know, he, he played so well in the leadoff Take spot. Take me out, coach. <laughs> he played so well in the leadoff spot last year. And, you know, you had Segura up there. And for me... Segura is one of those guys that he may be your one guy in the clubhouse where if things don't go his way, you're gonna know. You know, I don't think he he may not be as big of a team guy as like a Reese or a Bryce or or JT. So yeah. I think what you want to do with with Segura and you know just just my opinion, you might want to have him hit higher up in the lineup. And I know Segura. people are saying just to okay, stroke his ego. Well, yeah, you want he he hits for contact, which is one of his one of one of his great you know abilities that he brings to the table. So I think if you have McCutcheon lead off again. Like he produced last year for us. I remember that leadoff home run he had at CBP on opening day. I mean, we were all going crazy when that happened. So that cool. I think, um, you know, he brings a lot of energy to the top of the lineup. And then if you have Segura up there, you know, second or I don't know if you can him third, I think second might be the only other place. No. I know guys are going to sit here and argue and say, hey, JT's got to be up there. Hey, DD's got to be up there. But it's just, just one of those things where if you put Segura sixth, seventh, I mean, you know what are you what are you getting out of him? You know he might he might be like oh I'm hitting six people like what they want to see. Do I really want to? Do I really want to? You know, I'm not saying he won't try hard, but Segura at, in the six hole just doesn't sit well with me. I think you might want to put him second mm-hmm. and experiment. Like I said earlier to you, the experiment in spring training. That's what the games are for. Maybe you put Romuto five or do you want to stack? You know, left, right, left, mm-hmm. right, left, right. I mean, how does Girardi want to manage this? Which is me personally, that was that is an excellent strategy. Going right, left, right, left. Well, the other kind of throws you mm-hmm. off. Kind Remember of that new off. rule where the where the bat, the reliever has to face three hitters mm-hmm. before you take them out, you know, barring injury or anything like that. Right. So, um, you know, Girardi's. You know, we, I have 100 percent trust in Girardi. Yeah, that I do. Ring, I, he has I rings as that. a player, rings as a manager, uh, or a ring as a manager. But uh, again, listen. I think he he know he we all know he knows what he's doing. Yes. And um I think if you put Bryce in the three hole, Reese in the four hole, you know, I I think that's fine. He, I think JT in the as a five hitter, there's question marks there. I mean he's he's a good enough hitter to be hitting second in your lineup. Yeah. He you is. know, so between you you're probably not gonna move Bryce away from the three spot because he's probably your best hitter. And Reese is gonna be your cleanup guy to drive and runs. Hitting second, hitting fifth. I mean, there's a big difference there. Yeah, you know. So I think it comes down to his preference. I'll go up to JT. I'll say, do you feel more comfortable hitting second? Because at the end of the day, all these guys got to be on the same page yeah. if we want to win games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm just looking at um, the Yankees batting lineup this this past playoffs, and Gregory they had Gregorius batting eighth and ninth. Wow. So, he will not be batting eighth or no. ninth. No, no, not for us. But no. because the Yankees are just nuts. I think that one of the other weird things we saw last year was the pitcher. The pitcher for us hit eighth sometimes, 
And that be- that brings up a question. Yo, what, if hit, what if we hit DD9? <laughs> Wasn't that a Cubs D- thing? Well, yeah, but do you even bring up the, the thought of hitting DD9 and putting the pitcher 8th, for example? Do you even bring that up? Because DD is a run producer. But, again, having all these guys, is it's a good problem. Because you need guys that are going to drive in runs. Agreed. And I'm sitting here scratching my head about Segura. I'm, I'm almost forgetting about DD. If, if Segura yeah, hits yeah. six, the where's Didi hit seven? You can't put him seventh, can you? No. Uh, yeah, that's too that's too far down. But it's like, who, but because then you got King, and it's like Kingery at seven. It's like, I mean, I get it, but it's like, geez, that's low for Kingery. It it's yeah. a, it's a lot. Ha- Hazley is a lock at eight. Listen, it's it's a lot of fun <laughs> talking about where these guys are going to hit, but it's also it also causes a lot of headaches because you know you want to make sure these guys are in the the right spots to succeed, yeah. and the fact that you know. There's so many different names, and they they bring so many different abilities to the table. That do we want to see Segura in the two hole? Do we want to see Segura in a set compared to the seven hole? Do we want to see DD in the seven hole compared to the you know five hole? You know, there's there's so much that goes into it. And I think spring training, as we all sit here and we usually say, let's just get to the regular season. I don't really care about spring training. In exactly. all honesty, you know, we have to really take these spring training games um, and really cherish them because this is where we find out. Okay. How do these guys fit well in our lineup? And who's making the opening roster, opening day roster? Because we have close to 70 guys or that are going to be in spring training. And Woo! there's, there's going to be a big-time fight for, for bench positions and starting rotation, things of that nature. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Great. Oh, yeah. All right, real quick, we got about, what, 10 minutes left here. I want to touch on the Sixers. You know, they ended the regular, or they ended the first half of the uh, the season on a high note, beating the Clippers. And Joel Embiid comes back, brings a lot of energy to he the He needs table. to learn how to wrap that thing up. He does need to learn how to wrap the thing up. Uh, I agree. Uh, Joel Embiid brings back uh, a lot of energy during those or that last game. And Ben Simmons as well playing up to a super high level. And they really played well together on the court for the first time we've seen in a while. So... Listen, coming out of this All Star break, they got the Nets, and then they got a tough stretch. They got Milwaukee on the road for for a game in there. They got L A. Both mm-hmm. L A. teams, the Clippers and the Lakers, and those games are both on the road, which we know they struggle on the road this year. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a tough test. I'm not going to sit here and say, "Hey, they win this game, they lose that game," because that's just you, nitpicking you too much. You can't. You can't. But I tell you what, if they play how they did at home against the Clippers um, last Tuesday night, uh, that there's no the ceiling is is ridiculously high for this team and that's where you know that's where everybody's frustration comes from is the fact that they play so well at home but then when they go on the road they play stupid mm-hmm. like that's well, the, yeah. <laughs> i guess that's a good way to put it they do like, play stupid uh, that, yeah that's the nicest way i can put it i'm sorry but like i don't understand what I, maybe the home crowd i don't know maybe they like people's foot up their behinds i don't know I, I, I just don't understand. Maybe it. they maybe they bring the the super cool flame slash pregame intro on the road and put it in the locker room <laughs> for them. They get all hyped from it. You never maybe, know. There's an idea. Or maybe or maybe some of our fans need to buy at least a good section of them and just start booing out of nowhere and just start delivering boots to asses yeah. to them every single place that they go. There's an idea. But again, listen. The big question I think here is going to be Brett Brown down the stretch of the season. Listen, I know Joel Embiid. He has his ups and downs as far as hustling, and Ben Simmons hasn't been able to pull up that jump shot yet. But I think those guys bring their own individual strengths to the table. And if Joel Embiid, what he says is true, and he's going to start having more fun again and posting on social media and things like that, then I can buy into him having a great second half of the season. But Brett Brown's going to have some big-time decisions to make, and here's why. He starts Furkan Korkmaz the other night, moves mm-hmm. Al Horford to the bench. That's mm-hmm. a bold move. Yeah. Right? You're paying Al Horford $170 million. We talked million. about that last week. As fans, yeah, we can sit here and pick and say, hey, listen, okay, let's sit Al Horford on the bench. you know. But the, the fact of the matter is, get paid $107 million in the NBA is a big thing. 
That's not a bench player. You're not paying him to be a bench player. You're mm-hmm. paying him to be a starter. So Brett Brown, you know, uh, I tip my hat off to him because Agreed. that's a big-time move to make. And, hey, it worked out. We beat the Clippers. But I think another question comes up, do you do it every night? Yeah. It also shows what kind of player uh, Al Horford is because I, did you hear any complaints from him? Nope. Well, no, Al Horford's not going to, you know, he's not the type of player that's going to make any kind of noise. And that's a good guy to have in the locker room, yeah. Tanner. He brings, up, he brings up a good point with that, that um, statement there. Uh, Al Horford did not have any complaints, and he came in. He, he was productive, played well, high energy. Yeah. And I think the rotation, you know, the whole rotation factor that Brett Brown put into play for that game uh, turned out well for them. Now, here's the only problem. Like I st- started what I started with this topic, I said Furkan Kormaz started. Obviously, wasn't the best decision because he didn't score a single point, and he brought the 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 you know the energy off the bench, scoring thirty plus two straight games, and then he drops a zero on us, and it's like, okay, hold on, this did work in certain. Oh no! It did work in certain scenarios, but when you have a guy like Furkan scoring thirty and then thirty the next night, you know, both back to back games, right. and then comes out and scores zero, there's a problem there. So I think he has to move back to the bench. And here's the, the real problem: Who are you starting? Exactly. You know, I, there's I, so many different names. You can almost just pick out of a hat. I still stick with my boy Matisse Thybul. Okay. For reasons I said last week, I think he brings a D and three element you to think the starting he's ready? lineup. He he better be. He doesn't have much of a choice due to Al Horford's you know lack of play. Hmm. He, you know, this is the time for the young guys to step up. I see you stepping up from the bench. I see you stepping up. You know, mm-hmm. getting a couple steals here and there. You know. Time to step it up to the starting lineup. Whoever starts won't get 30-plus minutes like the rest of the no. starters will. No, and I don't want him to get 30-plus right. minutes. He's not ready for that, but, but I do want him to start contributing to this team right. and from I think a starting Burton position. on the second, you knew without Horford, he could be the scorer, you know, right. as, you know, as we've seen him do previously against the Bulls and the Grizzlies uh, last uh, two weeks ago now. But I do think that Thibel's a, a good option because you can give him like 15 to 20 minutes a night and rotate that. That one spot, that two guard spot, mm-hmm. or the three. Ooh, yeah. But I do think you know you still have guys like Mike Scott in there as well. I'm not saying you're going to start Mike Scott, but oh, God, there's no. so there's so many different names you can pick from. Alec Burks, Glenn Robinson the third. These new guys we just brought mm-hmm. in. So I do think there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of pressure on Brett Brown, and you know, hey, this could be the last stretch uh, with Brett Brown with the Sixers. So oh, this is this is most he, likely going to be. He's got to he's got to really do something to pull something. Out of a hat here. This in is order his, to this is his final chance to prove to everybody that he is a good coach. Mm-hmm. If he does not come out of this stretch with a positive record, if he does not somehow some way advance the Seventy Sixers past the fifth seed where they currently sit now, he's on the chopping block. Like he he's not going to be around because well, because at this current moment, I don't see this team being able to make the finals in their right. current in their current state. I, I do. Just don't I, I do agree, and I think that that Al Horford move he made the other night is a big time decision. I agree. I got it. He deserves all the credit for that. But that I but that is one of those moves where you're like, okay, I gotta save my ass. I gotta do something. Well, I can't yeah, just continue. I, I do agree with that. But listen, Al Horford going to the bench. I mean, geez. I don't know. I'm not arguing why he took him to the bench. I'm not arguing that. But like you said, with his contract, that is one of those moves where you're like, okay, I got to save my behind. Well, yeah, but listen, listen to this. Say that move doesn't work out. Say that move doesn't work out at all. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, man, Brett Brown's a real dope. Why is he sitting the $700 million yeah, but that's player? already... Sorry, what most people are thinking. Yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah, anybody, anybody changing that? It is thing. true. So what T is saying, he really has got nothing to lose. He, really, he doesn't. And when you're in that situation, when you're back against the wall, you're just willing to try anything huh. to get to get some space between you and that wall. Either it makes you look like a hero, or it's going you look a little stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's as simple as that. 
Well, listen, I got we all do give him credit, and hopefully, you know, he can start making good decisions and keep adding them up because that was obviously a good one. It did work out for us, and you know, depending on those, there's like three or four names there that are juggling for minutes. Like, are they who's going to get more minutes? Furkan's there, Alec Burks, Glenn Robinson, Matisse Thybul, and Mike Scott. Those are the names that are going to be what? scrambling around. Who's going to get more minutes over the other? And I guess that's going to have to be proven over the next you know, handful of games coming out of this break. Yep. Because, listen, at, this has to be all figured out before we get to the playoffs. Yes. So we need to figure out our rotation um, and who's going to get what minutes yes. as that regular season draws to a close. And the playoffs are going to open up. And right now, we are uh, not a top-four seed. No, and it would not. be great to get home court advantage. And our strength of schedule isn't too bad down the stretch. We have a couple games against the Wizards, the Hornets, uh, the Knicks, the Cavaliers. You. So there's definitely a lot of opportunities for wins. I agree. I agree. They just got to take advantage of it, and they have to play their game. Play their game to their strengths. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, um, number 25, um, the guy that wears, you know, the, the Simmons. On the you mean the guy chairs. that hasn't really shot the ball? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to need him to take yeah. a couple jump shots. You know, he, he didn't take any shots during the All-Star he game. He did right? not. Why, why not? I mean, it's the all-star game. It's you not a game that matters. Yeah, but but it I, you don't want to look like a fool if he misses it. But <laughs> I, did, I did see... Uh, He's two for two. That's I far, did right? see a, a one picture, oh, actually. Oh, yeah, did you see that? They're the all team gathering him. behind yeah. him talking. They, you know, that could have been out of you know context. We yeah. don't know what they were talking Different about. Different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we got the remaining time. Let's talk some... Pigskin, you know, wrap up the. All you right. know, we talked about the end. Of, I'm talking a different league though. All XFL. Right. Oh, we talking XFL. Um, you know, it's only right. week two just ended, and we got the DC Defenders from the East two and zero, oh, and we got Tell the West. Tell you what, ten years into this XFL, hey man. And you know why I'm into, into it? Because the top uh-huh. player right now who has thrown seven touchdowns, one interception, is what PJ Walker. Yes, and he Temp played simple quarterback. Yeah, exactly. So he's the biggest star in the XFL right he now. Is. He and, is seriously. No, this up. league is very interesting. I'll tell you who's not the biggest star in the league: Matt McGloin. Oh, definitely <laughs> not. No, he's tell you out what, there I'll, arguing with his coach. In I'll public. tell you what: I got the DC Defenders. I tell you what: I was watching Larry Jones last night, and I wasn't very inspired. <laughs> let's just put it that I I can almost guarantee that if there was better quarterback play. The XFL would be blown. Cordell Jones? You, you hit it right on the head. Like He's okay. Till you hit it right on the head. If, if they had good – now, listen, I have nothing against the XFL. Like, I've even watched a, a, a few a few games. Not not all the way through, but I have had tuned in. Hmm. And I think if they did have you know better quarterback play, I mean, anything that's entertaining, people will watch at the end of the day. Just like I said, I just love the simple fact that when a player messes up in that – and the um, the reporters right there I in their face, is. like mm-hmm. that is funny. That's one of the things that, that makes the XFL fun. You're catching a player in the heat of the moment where they're still pissed off, and I'm just like, yo, man, this is entertaining. Uh, calling out his coach on national TV during the game, yeah. And then they, and then they benched him. They I benched him. After pissed that. off. <laughs> Shocker. That was the fun. That was funny to me. Oh my goodness, God. Right. We still got the NFL. Yeah, we Is still there got any uh, wrap-up things you want to talk about, T? Yeah, apparently there's a report out there that Al- the Philadelphia Eagles are seriously trying to ship Alson Jeffrey out of here because there's a lot of reports coming out that they think he's the source of the trouble. So they're trying to do everything that they can to get him out of there. What, what would be Damn. the backup plan here, T? 
I don't know what You're getting rid of Aguilar, and now you want to get rid of Alshon Jeffrey. Hey, the only the right side. Hey, listen, listen. First, well, first off, you got to first off, you got to put yourself in the position where you're going to draft a right receiver. Me personally, me personally, I want Henry Rick the third out of Alabama. I think he's got the speed and he's got the playmaking ability that you need at the right receiver position. But at the same time, yes, you're going to have to replace this town, for lack of a better term. <laughs> because let's be honest here, Nelson Aguilar had inconsistent hands, and Alshon Jeffrey. Now, all of a sudden, act like he can't run routes and catch the football anymore. So, at this point, I don't care if they hire Max James to come in and play right receiver at this point. Max James. I just want Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar. Yo, straight up. Get the f*** out. That's all I got to say. See, I think uh, Alshon Jeffrey does. He's going to come off an injury either way if he's with us or against us um, in a different uniform. But we have a injured, well, now recovering Deshaun Jackson. We don't have Nelson Aguilar anymore. We have Greg Ward and our single white side. Basically, what I'm saying is, listen, I've said I've said on the show before when we do, when I talk Eagles, mm-hmm. I get aggressive. I want people going. I want booze being yes. paid. I'm trying to I'm trying to today. I'm trying to take a step back and be a little bit more patient, um, especially because the baseball topic helped me with that. So, mm-hmm. am I going to sit here and say, Alshon, get out? Because who's the, there's yes. another option. You really do need D backs galore. You need five of them yeah. probably. If, I if mean, we had more are time, you gonna, I would seriously argue with you about the simple fact that. Look, I'm not paying Alshon Jeffrey that much money. He's not affecting my cap that much mm-hmm. for him not to be vet. Well, listen, I, you know what? The good news it's is we match a certain amount of production. We get to come back to the show next week and discuss. So I'm going to write that in as the first topic. How about that? Dog on right, you are. You dog on right, you will. Hey, All right, but for now, let's shut it down. All right. If you guys missed any of this episode, you can always go to Philly Dash Experience.simplecast.com. We are available on all major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, and more. So check us out. Now I'm hyped. Because now you done done started football with me and now I'm hyped. Because that guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. I want to see people rip their heart out of their f***ing chest. I'm not putting...